0: to Doing Virtue, a Catholic podcast, where virtue is what we do. Cheers.
1: Today's episode is about deification, what that means,
2: and how that applies to us as Catholics, and what that looks like in the good life. I'm Anthony Christ. I'm joined tonight by Mark Rochelle and Brian Hicks. Howdy. Before we get into Howdy. the topic of deification, we are going to have a drink of Maker's Mark Whiskey. It's a Kentucky Straight bourbon. It is uh, made by the Beam Centauri, which I think that is the distillery. Um, it's an ongoing release. It's a 90 proof, uh, so the alcohol is 45%. The mash bill is 70% corn, 16% wheat, 14% mar- uh, malted barley. And the bottle usually goes for about 35 to $40. This bottle was a gift from professor brown at christendom college as a wedding gift so it is a special bottle that i'm uh that i saved for the podcast and we're going to pour a little bit and see how it is
0: chummy with mr brown wow that's a that's a hefty that's a hefty pour it's
2: going to be a long episode (laughs) or (laughs) a
0: short one depending all
2: right gentlemen Cheers. cheers So something interesting about this bottle, because I had a couple of interesting facts before we get into the, well, you know, what, let's just do the, the, the taste first. So it says that the smell um, is a sweet oak, which I don't really know what oh, yeah. sweet oak means. Yeah, no, I can see that. Right? Um, <laughs> it but it says that, that it, um, like. it kind of has a vanilla mm-hmm. smell mm-hmm. and a, a fruity a smell. Bed, One person I read said it smells a little bit like strawberries, which I'm not really getting that. I just think it smells like caramel. Smells like uh, (laughs) cleaning alcohol. (laughs) Cleaning alcohol. Actually, that's really funny. One of the tasting notes uh, articles, they said that right when you open it, it kind of smells like cleaning solution. And then after it gets aired out, then it doesn't smell like that anymore. Okay. That's funny. You're more of a connoisseur than I thought. Let's go. Um, The the tasting notes uh, for the actual taste, not the smell, is um, there's notes of toffee, vanilla, and cinnamon. And overall, it has a thin, buttery taste, which I actually think. I think I get all that that's except apt. for the cinnamon. Except the cinnamon. Okay. And then the finish, <clears throat> so the aftertaste, is smooth with soft spice. And uh, it's a light finish. There's, no, there's not much of a burn. I think it's that's great. pretty accurate. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, I like that. Um, so a couple of facts about Maker's Mark. And I didn't know, I don't know if I knew any of these. Each bottle is dipped by hand into this red wax. So if you don't know what a maker's mark bottle looks like, it has a squarish base with a long, almost like a beer bottle-looking neck, and then the top it has this awesome red, like bright cherry red wax. So that's hand dipped. Every bottle they have people in the distillery or the factory where it's bottled, and they hand dip it. And every once in a while, they'll have one will slip or they'll over dip it. And that's called, in the factory, they call that a slam dunk, but they'll still sell it. So it's every once in a while you'll get a bottle that has wax all like basically oh, all the way down, which is pretty neat. That's so cool. Baker's um, Mark also is one of the only distilleries to still physically rotate the barrels like by hand, and they move them from the upper to the lower levels of the uh, warehouse during the aging process to even out the temperatures. That way the ones on the top don't get warmer Mm. and taste different so they'll they move all the barrels Mm. around but they do it by hand consistency i like it for consistency um and then the last interesting thing is that they are one of the only so there are a few but they're one of the only american distilleries to use the old scottish spelling of whiskey which is uh w-h-i-s-k-y uh rather than the american tradition that puts an e in it um so that's just kind of interesting um and i guess the last thing which is kind of just a personal thought um, on the bottle because I think that whiskey bottles are really interesting. Some of them are boring. Some of them are really fascinating. This one I think is really cool because it kind of has a Western theme going. Mm -hmm. So it's got the the red wax, which there are a few other bottles that do that, but this is one of the only ones that does it. And it's kind of the iconic one. But I also, it struck me that the label, it kind of looks like a wanted poster, like the, the font of Maker's Mark, mm. and then also the yeah. color and the edges. Um, so it, it just it kind of hits home that Western theme. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's just what it makes me think of. So overall, uh, it's a pretty solid whiskey. It used to be more of a um, a mixing whiskey, but it's gotten more expensive in the past couple of years. So now that it's $35, $40, people don't mix it as much. And um, a lot of times if you go to a bar and just ask for um, – like kind of a decent mid-shelf whiskey, that's what they'll give you. Mm. It's pretty popular. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think for the price, it's worth it, and it's a, it's a tasty whiskey. What do you guys think?
0: I like it. Like, I kind of, to be honest, I haven't had Maker's Mark just as Maker's Mark. I think I've only had it as a mixer, so mm. it's nice to try it just alone.
1: Yeah, it is sweet. I do like how sweet it yeah. is. Yeah, um, Yeah. Right, especially right off the bat. It touches your tongue. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly what that sweetness is. I want to say it's the strawberry, but also it could also be the caramel, yeah. or it could be the What
2: what it. I what we should probably do next time, this kind of dawned on me. I think the order would be better if we taste it first. <clears throat> we can kind of go around and say what we think it tastes like. Well, I'll already whoever's preparing will already know, but that way you can see how close you get to. Because I think sometimes if you have a, a flavor in your head, you just. You kind of just agree that it tastes like that, but it'd be interesting to see if, like you said it kind of smelled like cleaning solution, yep. and that was yep. one of the things that I read so we can kind of bounce that off right, the, right. rather yeah, than just, rather than trying <clears> to
1: figure <throat> out the or trying to like almost trying like, to taste taste what is apparently exactly in there and yeah, not yeah.
2: just what you're actually tasting right yeah. it might be okay. a better way of doing it, so we yeah. can do that in the future yeah right. uh, now before we move into the divinization part of the podcast, Mark is going to give us. What? Did I say it wrong? No, no, no. you're right. Oh, Deification, <laughs> divinization, and <laughs> both things. I'm so uh, worried. Before we move minute. into that, Mark has a little, um, I don't know what we're going to call a this, dude. fast facts, and maybe we'll get some like jazzy yeah, music spend or something. 30
0: minutes on this.
2: Long right. fact. <laughs> <laughs> Slow fact.
0: Uh, so Mark, take Long. it away. So today is August 1st as we're recording this. So I, I looked up some things that were specifically about August 1st. Um, and so I've had a couple of things. August 1st is traditionally known as Lamas Day, which was an old festival festival to mark the annual wheat and corn harvest. And it was sort of a Thanksgiving in Britain. I mean, we I know we got away from Britain, but... <laughs> still pretty cool still, tradition. Still yeah, a Thanksgiving yeah. because nice. they don't have we're Thanksgiving. Catholics. You know, we're Catholics. We like tradition. Right. Let's go. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, not, not United States. Uh, we're going... Back to, we're going to Canada now. uh, And it's August 1st is a civic holiday in many parts of Canada. Oh. Uh, Hmm. And in Alberta, specifically, it's celebrated as Heritage Day. And in British Columbia, it's known as British Columbia Day. Wow. I don't know what that means. Is it their their version of July 4th or is it something different? It's heritage. Heritage I think it's more like. It's just like history. Like, okay, so it'd we be maybe our, like their version. Okay, I don't know why. No, maybe their version of like in Flag particular. Day. It's just kind yeah. of all these things. It's maybe it's all. Uh, it's all. Yeah. Awesome. Um, also, cool. August first through the seventh is International Clown Week. So Anthony, <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Thank man. you. So we have to watch <laughs> it. All right. And the Dark Knight. Uh, Those are the only two Joker movies I know. Oh, Joker! Obviously. And finally as a as a historian um, there is a historical fact about August 1st Dude, and that's gone. it I'm was so 10 it was either 1069 some some sometime in that in that realm hold on uh, peter the hermit if you remember mm-hmm. from the crusades mm-hmm. he and all of his crusaders um, got uh, got into constantinople or they traveled to Constantinople on August 1st. Nice. Like a thousand years ago. So, today. Yeah. Let's go. Dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Dude. So, let's yeah. go. Cool. Those are, those, are, those are my facts. Awesome. I love those facts.
2: <laughs> I love all of them. them. Yes. Great. Cool. All right. Brian, let's get into divinization, deification, theosis, whatever you want to call it. Well, we can call it
1: all of those. So, uh, yeah, the topic today is on deification as, as, Anthony has said divinization or theosis, um, <clears throat> and I'll just start with what that means in particular, and then um, just kind of go through what that what that looks like in the in uh, in the good life as Catholics and as um, as adopted sons of, of our Lord. Um, so, what is it? Deification as the the structure of the word and divinization. The structure of the word is. Deify and then pretty much so it's to make it's the process of making God or 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 making us God that that's that's pretty much what it means um, and theosis and is the is the Greek word for it and that means to make divine and the reason why theosis is the, the Greek word and we uh, we do have the Latin the Latin word for it but it is the Greek it is the Eastern Church that actually puts a lot more emphasis on deification on the topic of deification, um, and I think, and that that's just seen in um, it's not it's not solely there because uh, obviously as we'll, as I'll talk about in a little bit, Thomas Aquinas talks about it, um, Saint Irenaeus, uh, and and then also uh, in Peter's letter in the in. In the bible also talks about it too in in different words though so um saint thomas talks about uh, or he references saint john of damascus um, he referenced saint john chrysostom uh, and so those are eastern saints and they have they they did have working i think for a while they didn't really have a working definition of it they just knew what it was and how it it Kind of pertain to their life and everything. So, uh, because we are in the West, though, um, I will be taking what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says about it. Um, and interestingly enough, it, their quotes. So, it's this whole paragraph is a quote. And I'll, I'll say um, it's not one quote, it's actually four quotes, but I'll say exactly um, what, uh, who's saying it and everything. So, this is uh, paragraph 460. The word became flesh to make us. Quote, partakers of the divine nature, which is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. For this is why the Word became man, and the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that man, by entering into communion with the Word, and thus receiving divine sonship, might become a Son of God. That's St. Irenaeus in his Against Heresies. And then here's another quote. For the Son of God became man, so that we might become God. And that's from St. Athanasius. And then finally, from St. Thomas Aquinas, the only begotten son of God, wanting to make us sharers in his divinity, assumed our nature so that he made man, might, might make men gods. Which is pretty crazy. Um, it's not really, it can be, I think, I was actually, a, a lot of the structure of what I'll be talking about is from a, a talk by Father Andrew Hoffer or Hofer, um, I'm sorry if if you end up butchered. listening to this. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. Uh, but he's a Dominican priest in the province of Saint Joseph, which is the eastern province of the U.S. Um, he gave a talk for the Thomistic Institute called Saint Thomas Aquinas on divinization. And so I, I was I just to structure the what I'll be talking about tonight and what we'll be talking about tonight. I uh, I listened to his talk and kind of used um, used just again the structure of his talk. So um in right off the bat just talking about divinization and actually this is really interesting cuz this actually I it happened today but um so he talked St. Uh, Father Andrew um talks about just the topic in general can be because in the west it's not talked about all that much and it's not really a uh, it's not really in our working vocabulary realistically. um it can be misconstrued hmm. so uh i was actually today it came, it came up kind of just kind of i almost i it, it was very it wasn't really a uh, a really deep conversation i just kind of brought it up because one of my coworkers was saying one thing uh and i was like well i mean hey we're supposed to be deified and he was he was he was kind of taken aback and he's like What do you, what do you mean? He's a Catholic. And so it's like, this is, I mean, again, we went to Christendom and everything. So we've heard this, but even then in general, even with the catechism, they are just quotes. It's Mm -hmm. not really even a working. We don't even, I mean, obviously the working definition of deification is to make divine, but realistically there's not really a working definition that we have. So it's, um, so in general, it can be misconstrued. So with us being Catholic, uh, being Christian and having the nature of God in our, in our faith. And, and we do have to understand God, uh, what he is, um, and what he does his, in in the world. So his effects, um, we have to know who God is. So two main characteristics of God, obviously he is, he's a Trinity. So he's three persons with one divine substance. So, um, this he is a he is a relationship of so uh he's a relationship of love so the holy spirit is the love between the father and the son and uh and so it is a relationship but then also the one of the main things with the with the catholic faith is the incarnation so god be god became man the second divine person jesus became the divine, became man um taking on our flesh Taking on our human human nature to elevate it um, in general, or just just all throughout. So God God took on humanity so that again so that we might become God, so we can that that we can become partakers in the divine life. And so and when I say that um, that we might become God, it's not us being in other in other Eastern religions. It can uh, I'm not exactly. Sure, which one, but I know there is an Eastern religion that talks about once you die, you, you just become literally one with God and your your individuality just ceases to exist.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is not what, what divinization is. So I guess something that, I guess like, a, like an objection that could be raised <clears throat> if you hear the term divinization or if you hear Catholics saying, we have to become like God. It seems like a really easy heresy to fall into, mm-hmm. either as a Catholic misunderstanding right. what div- divinization is, or as someone from the outside, not necessarily believing in the heresy, but thinking that Catholics believe believe this weird this thing. weird thing. Yeah, um, would be pantheism, right? Because right. with yes. pantheism, you believe that. God is everything God is the river God encompasses all these different things we are God we are part of God Um, which if you flesh that out it doesn't really make sense but um, but I could I guess I can see how someone who would hear about Catholics saying that we need to become like God not that we need to imitate God or that we are children of God but saying we must become like God or God allows us to become part of his divine nature right. how that could easily be misconstrued as okay so that that's just pantheism right. maybe right, they right. wouldn't say it's pantheism sure. but, that, sure, sure, sure. but their, but their, their understanding that. of it would be that but we would label that understanding of we have, everything is god sure catholics we would label that as pantheism so how sure. is it not pantheism so i think
1: in there is so obviously uh there's there's aristotelianism Thomism and then there's also Platonism, and and in Platonism there is a uh, there's an idea of participation. So when so when we when we talk about us becoming like God, it isn't it isn't us again losing our individuality and becoming just kind of like uh, and actually in the video, uh, Father Andrew uh, he he made a noise and he was like and now you're gone and that's what it, like that that's what people may think but that's so that's not what is happening we aren't losing we're not becoming god and we're not becoming big g god we're like that isn't we're and and as we move on as we move forward to the whole reason for the good life and the whole reason for the whole reason that god became man was so that we could actually grow in relationship with him so uh there's a philosophic uh, idea that um that knowing follows from the from the mode of the knower mm-hmm. i think it is or, or if i'm construing that but um so we when before god became man in christ in the man of christ we could only know really God and his effects. And we could really only know him in um, just really what he tells us, but because when God became man and became one of us and took on our human nature, we're actually able to know him. So we're actually able to grow in relationship with him. Um, and so, so the whole thing with divinization is so that we have an image to be able to imitate and so we imitate the image, who is the perfect image of God. So, so we're not we. So, and, and, and again, with imitating God, there is there is um, there are similarities, but there is a greater dissimilarity. Actually, in, in the Fourth Lateran Council, they, they say that there's in in talking about God and talking about us in relation to God, we are similar in that we have a rational nature and that we can know and that we can love. But they're, because we're finite beings, there's an infinite, there's a greater dissimilarity between us, realistically. So they, I, think, I think just kind of moving forward, if we're able to understand what that in general, what divinization and what deification means, it, it, we're becoming partakers in his divine life, which is grace that he offers to us. So we are getting, and, and in heaven we are get, we do get caught up into the beatific vision, but we don't lose
0: our individuality. And I think that is that is that is unique. Can to, I can I ask? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Is like the culmination, and it, I like how we started that this is the first like topic that we've had on the because I think the culmination of doing virtue in this life is divinization. Right. But. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but divinization in its full effect is just the, the beatific vision. Is it, is it man like living or whatever, knowing God to right. his, uh, to just knowing him to his fullest extent to, yeah. um, whatever that we can't achieve in this life. And so right. we can achieve, so it's not, right. you can't really achieve. And I think that's the the thing about pantheism that I was going to ask is, or, kind of comment on is that i think pantheism is very much like well we're all god in this life and i think that divinization is more we we become like god we become divine in the next life right correct is
1: well so yes yes and no i think i think um i think because we are well actually i'll just answer the the first question so Uh, yes it is it is a prefigurement of what we are going to be like in heaven so it is a um, and actually um, again Father Father Andrew talks about um, how so divinization recreates our humanity to elevate it to the image of Christ and so and then at the end of time we are able to so, and actually this will be, um, this was going to be something I was going to talk about anyway. So, so the mode of, so the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is love. So that is the love between, is the love between father and son. And so, but is a person, like, so the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. Um, and so the mode of uh, just, of the Holy Spirit is charity. And so the love, so love, charity, it, I mean, those are, charity is actually, uh, I mean, there are, Times when it says in the Bible "love," but it actually says charity. So that charity is actually one of the loves that um, that the Greeks had in their vocabulary, but it's the highest form of love. And so, in um, at the when so through the Christian life and through deification um, and becoming partakers in the divine life, if we're able to be, if we're able to grow in virtue and grow in in responding to God's grace in our life, um, that will show itself in through charity, mm-hmm. and and then w- through charity, it'll it's uh, Saint Thomas talks about it, or, um, or maybe it's actually. Just Father Andrew, because in his talky, it kind of goes through a lot, and and it may be St. Thomas, but it sounds like a lot of the time it, it is. But he is a Thomas, so it kind of could be both of them. But um, but charity is the fire that ignites our mm. soul mm. to uh to cleanse us of our sin and to cleanse us of of just like um. Just to be, to so to more fully become partakers of the divine life. So all the saints, in uh, when they died. So like Saint Therese or Saint Thomas Aquinas, when when they died, their I mean I mean both of their confessors, when they died, pretty much said that they never committed a mortal sin, but but uh and and actually on his deathbed saint thomas aquinas had a confession and and his his confessor ran out of the room and that's what he told people he was like this the confession i just heard was the confession of a five-year-old uh and just like i actually i i ju- i was just reading gk chesterton's um uh book on saint thomas and that's that's what it said at the end and that is just so mind-blowing but that that is actually and and this is one thing that that I really and I really like about the concept of deification. And I think and but I've also seen it a, I can't remember where the video was. But because deification and 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 becoming partakers in the divine life is is a Catholic thing. So all of us, all of us as Catholics and as Christians are able if we allow God's grace to change us, we are able to partake in divine nature and mm-hmm. the divine nature. Mm-hmm. So so we are all able to
0: become saints. So can I sort of like to summarize in terms of what you just said? Sure. Um, specifically the saints who were able to um, pursue virtue to the point that their, their um, uh, cooperation with God's grace was so on point, was so perfect right. that they were able to achieve a level of charity which is the the mode of of love that the holy right. spirit has right um to the point that they are participating they are becoming divine in right. that way right, right 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 um can i i guess i'm i'm at, is it like an imperfect divinization yeah right right so uh, imperfect now I think right. right. So
1: so yes, I do think uh, yes, we're not, not going to be
0: but incomplete, I guess, imperfect.
1: Right. So right. I think I think in my understanding of it. So it is something it isn't just for now. It is when we are caught up in and and I mean through Jesus Jesus's life we're able to imitate him, but then also at the transfiguration he shows his 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 divinity, but then also his 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 transfigured body. And that is really a foreshadowing, I think, through deification of what our bodies are going to be like mm-hmm. in, in, in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of time when we receive our bodies back, we are going, those, our bodies have, are going to have properties that, that we can't have now. So uh, I think I think one of them is is like impassibility. So going through walls and going like being it like if 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 we had this physical world and we had our uh, our fully deified body, so our, our resurrected body, mm-hmm. that would be what it looks like. So mm-hmm. it, it would just so our obviously, and I think I think it is in the sense that it is not. That it is not God; it is imperfect, and because we are, it, we're trying to be images of the perfect image of God. Um, in this life, it will be imperfect, mm, but then right. in heaven, it will be it. It will be elevated to to be able to actually even be in the presence of God, right. because that is that is not some uh, just. I mean, in in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes into the glory cloud, he comes out and people can't even look at mm-hmm. him. And he has to put a veil over his head right. because he's because he's literally been in the presence of God, and his and his body is is just changed wow. by it. So yeah, it is in, in the sense that we are not God, but we are partaking in His nature. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is imperfect. Got it. Um, yeah, not
2: sure if that quite made yeah, sense. Yeah. Oh well. sure. So two things that I've been thinking about. The first one is that it seems that the biggest it might be the biggest divide between how Catholics approach the faith and how Protestants approach the faith is the idea of grace. Right. Because for Catholics grace is the participation in the divine nature of Christ even though we have a human nature uh, but it introduces us to the Trinity. Okay. So, it seems like grace is that fundamental building block upon which <clears throat> we can actually build virtue, because there's there's natural virtue. You can have someone who's courageous but doesn't have gr- sanctifying. They're not sure. in the state of grace. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like a natural <clears throat> natural. <clears throat> virtue but they have of a nat- or... a natural virtue of courage that hasn't been quite elevated. Right. But it seems that if the principle That, you know, grace builds on nature. Right. If we have a human nature and God has a divine nature, and obviously Christ has both, Mm -hmm. that the astounding beauty of the incarnation, at least one of the ways that it's beautiful and so impactful and meaningful is that because of the incarnation we are more easily able to have our human nature elevated to a divine nature because now we have the atonement of Christ who is our intercessor because otherwise it it almost seems like he... Yeah, I mean, he, he essentially is bridging the gap. 100%. And with Protestantism, they don't believe in grace, at least in that way. Right. Really not at all. Yeah, the, the only... And so it seems like for Protestants... Grace is di, like deification and Isn't really divinization is not possible. Right. Right. Or right. if it is possible, they don't. That's not something they teach.
1: Right. 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 And yeah, no. I think I think one thing one thing that I've learned because I work with a Protestant, but then also I my uh, at enterprise when I worked for enterprise, uh, my boss was a Protestant. Mm-hmm. And so, and he was a Baptist, and so I like I we would talk about it because we would have downtime and everything and so um it was just cool to be able to have that opportunity to be able to talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing is their understand our understanding of grace is more robust. okay, so we have different types of grace. I think my understanding of it the the grace that is theirs or the the grace that they understand is. Justifying grace, sanctifying grace, kind of the same thing, but um, they don't call it that. Though they really? don't call it that. I think really, realistically, they just call it grace. They don't have a, like, almost a, a descriptive word in front of it. It's just grace in general. Okay. And and so my understanding is is right that they don't. They're not because I think and maybe this this varies, but I think in my experience um, with just my understanding of Martin Luther and his his understanding of grace and what that looks mm, like. Right. Um, just because human nature is, uh, is the famous the famous example, human nature is done, and then mm. the grace is just the snow that is on top of it. So it has right. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't
0: right go within. It doesn't Christ covers your sin. Yeah, Christ covers it. You're, right, right, you're not transformed right through grace. Exactly. Right, so right. okay, so I mentioned two points.
2: The the first one was it just kind of the insight that perhaps the biggest divide between us and Protestants is the understanding of grace and what grace is. Mm -hmm. But then ultimately that has larger implications as you expound on that, because if you don't have grace, then you don't have sanctifying grace and then you don't have sacramental grace and then they don't believe in sacraments. And it's kind of a whole mess after that. The second thing would be more of a question. And you, if you're getting into this, then you can just table it. Sure. But is it possible for, Divinization to take place without christ 's sacrifice, so pre incarnation right. was mm-hmm. deification possible and maybe maybe it 's kind of an unfair question because you have the old law and the new law and right. you don 't have Christ with his two natures and all those different things, but is that something that is po like because the catechism just says that we're um you know um, that we are becoming partakers in the. Di- well, I guess it's Saint Peter, right? right. Saint Peter yeah, yeah, yeah. ta- talks about becoming partakers in the divine nature. Is that possible without the atonement of Christ, or is that something that's only possible through that? And w- which is why it's such a big deal, right? You know, right. My know.
1: understanding is 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 no that it's not okay. um, because of the. Christological understanding of of Christ and how he as you've said before he bridges the gap the infinite gap in that happened that that happened after original sin um so he is the bridge and he is he, he is the in between he is the mediator so so it is my understanding is that it is only through him right. that we can be deified. I
0: also think that the emphasis like the institution of each sacrament I think. By Christ, and obviously you can a- attain grace in so many other ways, but the sacraments are kind of your your go-to in, in order to like achieve grace, whether right. that be penance or the Eucharist, and those are things that Christ instituted. Um, so I think in terms of pre uh, pre incarnation pre Christ, your sort of what you went to for grace. Was not as significant as as what the sacraments give. So, right. so in
2: the Old Testament, you mentioned Moses being kind transfigured oh, yeah, yeah. in a certain respect. Right. Was that an instant an instance of deification, or was that something separate where he saw the face of God? He was speaking to God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, something like that. Right. right. And so he just had that glow of divinity, but he wasn't. Becoming the divine right. nature, or he wasn't; his nature wasn't being built upon per se. Right? It was just he was talking to God, right? <laughs> like my understanding, or was that actually like was that so that was just an instance of deification, or was that right. like oh Moses was kind of the exception; he was deified, and maybe John you know, the Baptist was. was deified, yeah, 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 and yeah.
1: you know, right? So my understanding is that it would just be an instance of, and this could totally be wrong, but be be the instance of him being in the presence of God and seeing his face. Almost overwhelming grace, you right. would say. Exactly. Exactly. But but even after that, it was even a, it was because so and I mean, oh, well, I mean, yeah. I would say I think I think you can kind of see well, through I think well, I would actually I'm just going to leave it there. I do think it is a a separate thing. I don't think that is deification in itself. Um, I think, I think there, there is that grace there. There, he did receive a grace. So to be able to, uh, kind of see God's face. But I think that I do think that's a separate, uh, a separate thing. Um, so yeah. And I, and I think that that is a, a good kind of segue just into, um just in general how does deification happen um and and what that looks like and what we're able to kind of understand about that um so and you were, you mentioned mark you mentioned um baptism you mentioned sacraments in general so so sa- the bap- the sacrament of baptism makes us into temples of the holy spirit so so it cleanses us of original sin and and we have right there we have the grace is sufficient to go to heaven, so if we died after we bap- we were baptized we we'd go to heaven what so. a way to go wait a <laughs> what a way to go I know, just... truly no yeah, just wait till the end yeah <laughs> um, no just so, did but so yeah, so the so through through baptism, and actually uh Pope Leo the Great and St. Maximus the Confessor in, uh, in the 5th century through the 7th century. Um, they, both of them said that through baptism we are made into temples of the Holy Spirit, and through, the, through that, through baptism, begins our divine filiation, so, so be, becoming sons of God. But then also our deification. so that that allows us to be able to have the sanctifying grace, and it is through sanctifying grace that we are able to receive. I mean, we're able to actually receive more of God's grace, and 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 I know it can get, kind of get into a a thing of more and less grace, and mm, and, right, and, and right. we don't want to put like a like a number to it, but but it is it is baptism, and then we the call is to move up from there. Mm. And so, so, the, so obviously the Eucharist, confession, and, and it is through confession to be able to have that opportunity to acknowledge our sins and to be able to receive the sanctifying grace back. Mm. Um, so when we confess our sins, we're cleansed of that. There still are effects on our soul. There still are those, kind, those grooves in our soul towards sin, uh, but we are able to receive those, um, those kind of graces Through um, just the through our our everyday life, that God is is willing to to bestow on us and that free gift of grace. Um, So so us becoming temples of God, and so uh, I think that is just such a cool thing because it it does make me think of and and this is kind of a a uh, an Old Testament thing, but it makes me think of the 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 tabernacle Mm. um, and. And so only the high priest was able to go in once a year. It was only once a year. And actually there's, it's actually, um, so there are times there. I think, I'm not sure when, I don't know when this was. I mean, obviously it was when the tabernacle was and, and when they had the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies was where the, the ark of the covenant was. And so that, that was the presence of God. And so when the presence of God was there, then, then the, uh, the high priest would go in and pray for the for all of Israel, um, and uh, there are there. I don't know if it's tradition or, or where I heard this, but there were a lot. There were quite a few times that they would uh, tie a rope to the high priest because nobody else can go in. Mm. So, they, so if if a high priest went in and he was unclean, yeah, he would die. Yeah. So it so, so to be in the presence of God, you had to be cleansed that you had to be so and and through leviticus and all that stuff that there was that ritual cleansing of of our bodies and everything and i think that was Ah, Leviticus yeah exactly jewish tradition
0: is so interesting
1: it really is and so and 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 honestly i kind of think that this could totally be wrong but that is almost the in my mind that sounds like it's almost the old testament's Temporary deification, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so for the for the, the high priest to go in there, he had to be cleansed and had to do this right. these things right. to be in the presence of God and to pray for for Israel and everything. Um, but so, but just and and that was a little bit of a tangent. But just thinking about the temple of God. So the temple of God to even go into the holy of holies, because it wasn't the only high. It was was only the high priest. And when God's cloud was over the tabernacle and over the Holy of Holies, it was almost the, because his, his cloud was over it, almost the building itself or the tent itself became a whole, like became holy and his, and his, his dwelling was there. Um, and one really interesting thing about, uh, in the Nicene Creed, when we say, uh, he dwelt among us, so that so Christ came down and dwelt among us. Um, that verb to dwell is actually he he pitched his tent. Mm, so he pitched his tent this, as yeah. in the tabernacle. So he so he's coming down as the as as God Himself, but but as the temple. So that he it like it, it's just. But I think
2: that that's just a – I, I kind of whenever I think about that I, I'm like wow this is so cool. Isn't that also when the transfiguration happens and Peter asks if he should pitch a tent for, because um, mm. they see Elijah okay. right right right, and, right. Uh, maybe another Moses they see Moses as well I think and he it's asks Moses, yeah. if he should pitch a tent for them which is kind of odd you're like why would right. you pitch a tent for them right. but it, it almost seems like he's asking based on what you said he's asking whether or not they're going to stay right like do we do we need to have a, right, like almost right. do we need to build a church for their presence to yeah, remain like a place here. that's yeah, dignified yeah. enough for them right so i guess he, he is literally talking about pitching a tent but he's right. not talking about just like a little sleeping arrangement on the mountain he's talking sure. about do we need to build a place of honor for right. these people because he realized yeah. the significance and the connection with the presence I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's just yeah, God's presence. It, it I mean, like I that's think what he was going for. It is it, it
1: that, that that
2: passage is really interesting, the
1: transfiguration in the Bible, because I've heard so many different things about Peter's meaning, mm. um, and so so there are. I've heard even before that. I mean, obviously, I think there is kind of a part of it that Saint Peter, just in the Gospel, especially in the Gospel of Mark, you hear so much about him, just kind of uh, like every t- off.
2: Every, every time he, yeah. he opens his mouth, it's just kind of like... Oh, it's so beautiful, on. though. Yeah, no, it really it's is. So like, I'm just going to like put my foot in my mouth. His, human, his I, human reaction is just like, great, let's do it. Yeah, right. No, truly. And and, and, and it is it is very beautiful to yeah. to know that
1: St. Mark was his yeah. disciple and to know that th- that was Peter's gospel. It's a little bit like, of a diss, too, where he's like, oh, what, well, Peter said this really stupid thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, come no, on, Peter. Yeah, right, right, right. right, right. Um, so, yeah, no, in, in, in the topic of the transfiguration... Um, my understanding of that, because I took a, I, I, I took a, a, uh, a, a Joe and I literature class. So it was St. John's gospel, St. John's, uh, uh, his re- revelation and his letters. So through all of those. So we got a lot of, we kind of got a lot of, um, uh, Dr. Geneslowski was, it, he was, it was really cool. Cause he, he had a lot of background to when, Christ would say, "I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the bread of life." And all mm. these sayings and everything. My understanding of that is that that was during the Feast of Booths, which is uh, the Transfiguration. The Transfiguration, and so so they it is the so and and I'm pretty sure that's I'm probably screwing this up, but I'm pretty sure that's atonement. So that that's the Feast of Atonement. Okay, um, and yep. so they would so the Jews to re. I guess, uh, to make present, um, their past, they would outside of Jerusalem build booths for their families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I think there is kind of a part of it that it is like, oh, I, oh, they're here. Let's make booths for them because like, this right. is where they're going to stay kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, and then, yeah, so maybe it is both, maybe it is both because, because of that pre or, uh, just kind of hearkening back to the temple in general but I, or to the tabernacle. But I do think what I, I guess my understanding is that it is also in the time of that, like when they were doing that, when they would do that as, as a people kind of thing. Okay. So, uh, so, but also I honestly have, I don't really know because I have heard a couple things about it. And, and so it's kind of... Um, I don't know if there's, if, if one's like allegorical sense or like all these, uh, all these kind of literal sense, uh, kind of all the senses of, mm-hmm. of scripture. I'm not really sure which one is actually, if maybe it's all of them, but, um, but, um, uh, just kind of, I guess just getting back into being temples, um, and, and what you were talking about with Protestants. So, and the reason why I brought up the tabernacle, so God is in there in the, the, th- the tabernacle itself and the temple itself became holy because God's presence was there, um, and so so grace itself. So when we when we have we're in the state of grace, so we have sanctifying grace, and God's so the Holy Spirit. It, and actually, this is something that Father Andrew said that as Thomists, um, that we need to be able to to very much kind of hit home is that God is actually within us He is actually present when we are in the state of grace so we can keep receiving his grace and so and and because he's within us he there is that change of our humanity um so so it's not just it's not just he's he's here and he's around us and and we're kind of doing these things kind of just and but but i'm still I'm still like this thing. I'm not. It's. I'm staying here. I'm not moving forward in my spiritual life and in holiness, kind of mm. towards God. So, so when the Holy Spirit is within us and we are temples of God and we have that sanctifying grace, we're in the state of grace after confession or after baptism, um, uh, anointing the sick, kind of. Um, it is the are the, the grace that we understand or how we understand grace in that instance is that it is effective. So it does what it signifies. So God, so, so, and I mean, in, in, in the Old Testament, in, in the Book of Wisdom, and in, in the wisdom literature, he ta- it talks about God's word going out and, and, and actualizing what was already, what was potential. So it does, again, it does what it signifies. So God's grace, if, if he is within us, if the Holy Spirit is within us, we're in the state of grace. It does actually change us, and cha- and 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 again, Saint Peter says, part, be, helps us to be partakers in the divine nature, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really cool thing. Um, just just a concept to be able to think about, and and to be able to really try and like kind of like kind of chew and understand because because the world is so. Um, Nihilistic and nothing matters, and and we're not able to do like anything good and anything or 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 just glorification to the nth degree of ourselves and everything like that. But to know that we can become saints and that through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit we can actually grow in holiness and 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 uh, just grow again in relationship with God um, is a
2: uh, yeah. Do you think that the term partake is a little bit misleading?
1: Hmm. How so?
2: Well, it to me, it seems like partake means that we can do the same thing. Like if we're partaking in the divine nature, like if you're partaking in a meal with someone, you're right. having the same meal. It's the same. You're the same. Now, maybe right. an analogy could be made that <clears throat> while you're all eating the same quote-unquote meal, there's different levels of intelligence or different. So it's like there is something or even combined. different levels
1: within the, within the meal itself, like the, like the, the head of the home and like the, head sure. Of the, and so like he's, right. he's, re- he's eating as the head of mm-hmm. the household. And then we're, re- we're like receiving yeah. I, that. That was one thing maybe, that just yeah, kind of, maybe that's are like the guests yeah. within it. Okay. Like we're
2: still partaking, but we are the guests. Sure. Um, yeah I guess in my mind, I was thinking like we're all if we're all partaking in the same game or we're all partaking in the same dessert, right. it's, it's equal because of right. what we're partaking mm. in. But I guess right. if you think about what we're partaking in as a gift from God, like right. God's right. grace is right. what we're partaking in, then it is all the same. right. But we're partaking in it like you were saying, if you use the analogy of a meal, we would be the myst- you know the mystical body of Christ would all be partaking in that meal as guests and we're just receiving what's given right which normally maybe we wouldn't be able to do but when we're in the state of grace we're elevated up to that level of the table and given a chair and then we're we're given the opportunity to partake in that nature which is a free gift from god and then now how he got the grace how he gives the grace how he is the head of the church all of these different things isn't really our concern right it's interesting to discuss, but like, but it's there's a but there is a difference. Like, so there's sameness in terms of what yeah. we are partaking in, right. but if it's his nature and his goodness and his love and his mercy, all of that, that's just a free gift from him. So, right. I don't know if that analogy adds up, but yeah, I guess yeah. I was kind of I started it as thinking that that it was an argument against it, but then thinking about the analogy, I feel like it it might kind of make sense if you think right. about. The thing, the actual thing that's all being participated in by everyone is God. Right. Then you can attribute a different level of uh, a higher nature, a divine nature, to him, and we can still have a human nature, but we can still participate in the same thing because of what he's given us. Right. And I and yeah, I do think I think it can it can get a little bit confusing, but I do think
1: even as Thomas, like so so Saint Thomas would. Obviously, he was um, a lot of his philosophic thought uh, was coming from Aristotle, mm-hmm. uh, but he still quoted Saint Augustine so many times in the Summa. And Saint Augustine was not an Aristotelian; he was a, he was a, he was a Platonist. He, he was uh, in so he was an Augustinian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly.
1: No. So so I think it, so. We can still, although, and this is. A, I guess a bigger topic. But although I think Aristotelianism and Thomism is the kind of the, when it is put at the service of Catholicism, it is, it is raised and we can, we can use that to be able to understand our faith and everything. Um, we can still use Platonism. And I think in this, um, obviously you, you even said it yourself, um, participation in. Um, and so, so partakers and participation in, I, I think, I think in, in, in this context, I think both of those can be used pretty similarly, mm-hmm. but then also with the, and, and I'm almost positive this is a platonic, um, uh, idea, but I'm, yeah, I'm almost positive, but the good being diffusive. Yeah. And so, so, so the good itself, so God is God is goodness itself God is love God is all of the transcendental so but it in it being diffusive and it, and it kind of is it's a really interesting idea because it because God is always giving his grace and he's always giving. He's always giving us the opportunity to be able to respond to His grace, and so it's it's never like, "Oh, I'm not sending you grace now." I'm I oh, okay? I'm gonna send it to you now. Like it's always happening, right. um, and so and it's always just flowing from Him, and so we can partake in that, and we can participate, and we can we can kind of we can respond to that grace. Um, and, and 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 in doing so partaking in his life because because we're partaking in that goodness like flowing from him. Um, but I do I, one of the things I think with that I, I I think the and maybe maybe this is just because uh, maybe some some higher um, scholastic or, or scholar could uh, would find a better better example but I do think, the example of a of a feast and and the and God being the head of the feast and then us partaking, participating in the meal, uh, receiving what he's giving us. I think that's a I think that's, yeah. that's a pretty apt example. Uh,
2: also- fittingly ties into like the whole paschal mystery right. christ is the the lamb that's sacrificed mm-hmm. he gives himself for us and like, then in heaven we're, we're into participating in the heavenly the heavenly banquet. banquet right right right, right. so nice. um yeah i didn't realize what a fantastic analogy that was <laughs> even though i was trying to prove a point <laughs> it uh, kind of yeah turned around um well, yeah. do you have a few more things to um, say
1: yeah i i think okay. uh, it it can Right now, I yeah definitely just um, kind of concluding, but but a, a couple more points just in general. Um, one thing that I think really struck me, because of the nature of God as love and the Holy Spirit is the love between the uh, the. In the whole, so in the Trinity, he is the he is the third person of the Trinity. So he is the love between the Father and the Son, um, and, and and through that, and as I said before, God's love is the highest form of love. So it's charity. Um, one thing that Father Andrew pointed out was in the incarnation, in the Paschal Mystery, one of God's manifestation greatest manifestation of love is mercy mm. so so through through the incarnation Christ bridged the infinite infinite gap between our humanity and god's in uh divinity he be that that mercy is what that love that charity that mercy that was that Kind of spurned God into acting. Mm. Kind I mean, obviously it's not it's not a this made him do this, but but it is the it is the fact that God's mercy is through God's mercy that Christ came down and God's love for us. Um, and so so if we are to live in the mode of the Holy Spirit, because we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to become images of the perfect image of God, um, Father Andrew said the because of that the best thing we can do as the the I guess the highest form of love that we as humans being deified through God's grace is is mercy. So mercy mm. toward our neighbor. Mm. Um and I just thought that was so that's being patient with our neighbor being right like seeing the home seeing the homeless the the, uh, the needy, the just the hungry, the thirsty, kind of those people, being able to feed them, feed them, give them, we are, we are through, through God's grace and through the fire of charity that is within us, we are, again, and we're, we're really spurned on to, to act. Um, and so and, and being able to to see the um, the needs of our of our neighbor is is us acting uh, when we act we are being merciful to them and 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 because because we see the dignity in all people in in all persons and everything like that which i just just very very much struck me um when i was listening
0: well it's it's cool that you mentioned mercy because how you were explaining the um like the high priest was the only one who was allowed to go into the holy of holies right and, uh, and, you know, all the other people were just kind of, they, they were just there. Right. You, they, they had to wait outside. They had to wait yeah, outside. Yeah. Um, and you see, like, grace is the greatest mercy that can be given to us because we are kind of worthless. Right. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, in terms right, of right. our concupiscence. And right. um, yeah, God doesn't need us. Yeah. God doesn't no. need us. It's all out of love. It's all of, and, and the love. Being mercy, Um, and you see that in all the sacraments. You see that in Christ coming down for everyone to be able to um, partake in. uh, Oh my gosh, all the words—they're all coming together. It's all coming together. It's It's all coming together Um, Um, to partake in His divinity in um, in sort of like such a minimal way. Right. um, Into like from His point of view, but from our point of view, it is it's essential. Yeah, and can be everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think again I, I the more
1: I've I I think I wrote a paper I'm almost positive I wrote a paper um in in one of Sacanicus's um classes at Christendom on deification and it, it's just just such a rich topic um and 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 I think just to just to really finish um we talked about the sacraments um, but and and you, uh, Mark. I think you mentioned the Eucharist, and you. you I mean, maybe I mentioned that too. But uh, but just in general, the Eucharist, when we receive the Eucharist, so the Eucharist in the Mass becomes the body, soul, divinity of our. Of, of our Lord Jesus. Um, and so when we're able to receive, that is, a, that is a, uh, obviously we have the Holy spirit within us. And it, when we're in the state of grace, we have, mm-hmm. we are the temples of God, but in mm-hmm. a very real way, we, we receive the body and blood of, of our Lord in the Eucharist. And, and there's, there's a quote from, um, let me see if I can find it. Um, I found it was it was such a it it harkened back to O's, John of Damascus, so Thomas Aquinas quotes John of damascus um and 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 I quote the fire of that desire which is in us being kindled like the burning coal that is the sacrament, it will consume our sins and enlighten our hearts so that we will be inflamed and deified so so he he so the burning coal he's harkening back to Isaiah mm-hmm. when uh, when the when he dreams and and the the angel brings the coal from the altar of our lord from in heaven and and touches his tongue with it um and so so that it, it almost and i i guess i've never really thought of that before but it it is kind of a re- prefigurement of the eucharist mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. which is it, it, which is just so cool right. um Because it, because it touches his tongue and then cleanses his tongue so that he may prophesize or prophesy in, in the name of God and be his prophet. And Mm I mean, I mean, all of, all of Isaiah's, uh, all of the book of Isaiah is just amazing in general, but yeah, yeah, no, it's so filled. But, but just to know that in receiving Christ, we, we get to receive Christ and we get to receive the burning coal that, that, that consumes our sins and enlightens our hearts but is in a is in a is in a way that we can act we can receive it we're not we don't have to eat coal every sunday like more <laughs> like a burning coal like we don't like it doesn't have to touch our like this is bread that the, the accidents of bread but the sub, sub, the substance of god mm-hmm. um just i mean again even there like god's mercy like we don't we're like that's just <laughs> could have <like>, been
0: coals <laughs> no seriously could,
1: like uh and so it's just like i don't know it's just, there are just so many things in it and so through that obviously baptism begins our our begins our divine filiation begins our deification and begins us it allows us to become temples of god and then confession and uh and uh and then confirmation uh, makes us—I mean, helps us to receive that grace and to to to. Uh, I need to use another term, but to spurn us forward, to push us forward into, and, and just to
2: to prod uh, us forward. <laughs> Maybe Anthony. Well, that sounds too weird. much <laughs> like poke <Protestant> us <laughs> forward.
1: There it is. <laughs> no, but uh, but just in general, just to—I mean, just to jettison us forward. Um, launch <laughs> and us Launch forward.
2: us forward. So yeah, like no, just rocket. so
1: the Euchar- So the sacrament. God, God gives us the church and gives us a sacramental life to be able to to push us forward in being deified and to grow in holiness and it, and allows us to go to confession whenever we want. Allows us to go to you, the to receive Him in the Eucharist. Um, yeah, I think it, it's again mercy, but but God's love and a lot, uh, His. He allows us, he wants us to have a true relationship with him and he, and he gives us so many opportunities to do so, um, yeah. in his church and in, and, in and our
2: lives and, and just everything. So it's interesting, this concept of, <clears throat> of becoming like God just reminds me a lot of, uh, Dr. O'Donnell's history class freshman year. <clears throat> and I, I don't know if it was the first day, but he brought it up constantly. He would talk about Galatians 4. Mm-hmm. Um, four and he would say, I think it's 4, like four through 7 or 4 mm-hmm. through 5 or something. And he would talk about how um, the fullness of time. And usually it was in reference to history, but it's also applicable to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that in the fullness of time, God would send his son, you know, born of a woman under the law um, to redeem those under the law uh, so that we would receive adoption. So that kind of ties into... I think Scott Hahn talks a lot about um, divine sonship right. um, and what it means to have like a covenant with God, what it means to be a son of God. Um, and then Galatians four, you know, it talks about God sending his sons so that we can call him fathered so that we're no longer a slave. We're not a slave to sin, but under, under the law. And then under the new law, the divine, you know, the, the law of love that, that Christ brings in the new Testament that, We don't just become sons, but we actually become heirs of the kingdom. That Mm -hmm. all of this is given to us; it's all gift. Um, So it's just it's just pretty interesting to to reflect on how that ties into living a life of virtue. Ultimately, that's that's the goal because the goal is you know in the Aristotelian sense is flourishing and happiness. And you know maybe in a flawed way we can kind of achieve that in this life in a in an imperfect way but ultimately it's working towards becoming like god which is fully um brought about by the beatific vision and life in the trinity right but in this life it means living a life of virtue and following the commandments and receiving the sacraments and participating in the mystical body of christ while we are here um and so i don't know it's just it is an interesting um Thing to reflect on, especially when considering how important it is to pursue virtue, uh, just in the practical sense. Like what what Protestants pursue, just virtue, courage, fortitude. Like how even just that really basic understanding is so fundamental and is kind of a building block of how the Christian life looks. But because we have God's grace and because we have divine revelation, we can push that ticket so much further Mm -hmm. and we have so many more resources available to us and then it even gets broken down to like our particular state in life so what does it mean for us as young men as newly married men as you know recent graduates as 22 year olds or 25 year olds what does it look like for us to pursue virtue in our state in life in order that we In order to work towards deification ultimately what does that look like in the day-to-day does it need to be really really basic does it need to be really complicated what like what what does that practically look like so it's interesting that we're talking about deification in the first episode and um, hopefully that there will be a lot more to discuss and we can tie in virtue but it seems like ultimately all all of it ties into deification Mm -hmm. in some way it's like talking about our telos right you know like uh, yeah, what exactly. is our end happiness right. okay and right. and then you have all of these other topics that converge and fit in somehow and how right. good books and you know developing your conscience and developing your life of virtue and all of these things play into ultimately the, the same goal of perfecting our human nature right like that that's ultimately what it all is right um yeah i know and,
1: and one thing you said was the um we have this we kind of have all of the um, kind of have this arsenal of of weapons for mm-hmm. us and everything. And, and so, and it, I don't know, it's just like we have the sacraments to be able to grow in, in virtue. And we have these opportunities, if we're in the state of grace, to be able to grow in virtue and grow to become deified all the more and grow in holiness and everything. Um, but I heard this quote um, was just so... I think they were talking about like the rosary and they were talking about the like liturgy of the hours and and like prayer in general and just the robustness of the of the Catholic faith. Um, I think it's so sorry uh, we have all of these things to be able to just kind of uh, push us forward and we and and it's almost like going into a battle. And, and we have all these, we have these, we have armor, we have swords, we have spears. And it's like, okay, would you go into the battle with none of those? Like the rosary, like, uh, the, like just kind of the Eucharist confession. Like, would you, would you just run into the battle naked? No, like <laughs> no weapons at all. Like, wouldn't you want all of them? Um, and so it's like, yeah, we have such a, a robust faith, um, and, uh, and, gotta be praising that because it's a it's a it's a great life and um and yeah let's let's become saints let's do this amen god wants it hey Deus you god wills it and amen. let's go
2: all right i think that wraps it up this is doing virtue a catholic podcast where virtue is what we do cheers